0: welcome back to burn the haystack with josh and jesse i'm jesse and i'm josh and this is a podcast all about helping you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices
1: And today we have a kind of sad episode to be recording. We're going to be talking about um, just this sort of recent trend we've seen in um, some of our favorite Christian leaders who've sort of decided to step away from the faith. Um, Mm. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess some heavy stuff today. And ultimately, we're just going to be um, working through um, Joshua Harris, who was the author of um, "I Kiss Dating Goodbye and um, Boy Meets Girl um very really famous christian books in dating and also marty samson who's a really famous christian um songwriter and he was a part of hillsong and he's um i don't know he played a big part of my journey so we're just gonna be i guess wrestling through that and yeah looking at um i don't know what we do with that <laughs> I, yeah. I don't know what to say no yeah.
0: and it's hard to it's hard to kind of preface this whole discussion because i think even you and i don't really know exactly where this is going to go because this is such a new sort of trend i I, oh but i don't want to say that it's a trend you know what i mean but it it kind Mm. of seems like it's becoming something which is happening in our in our context and in our culture so i don't know if this is the end or if this is like the beginning of more christian leaders kind of bottoming out with their faith or going in different directions, but I think it will be interesting nonetheless.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So before we get into that, um, I would actually just love to read... Uh, we, we, we've recently um, been able to find our reviews that we've gotten in um, more than just... Because before we could only see the Australian iTunes store and um, I saw this review in the American iTunes store. We now can see all of our reviews, which is great. We found a way to see them. And I just wanted to read this, um, but we got this awesome review... Uh, from somebody saying, thank you both for your work and leadership. My prayers are with you as you continue much needed and relevant podcast. I plan to share your podcast with everyone I know. My parents <laughs> in their 70s, the kids, teachers, our pastors, etc. Keep up the good work and go where God leads. I'm cheering for you. Uh, that's from HD Stone? Hedda Stone. I don't know. Hedda Stone. <laughs> um, thank you, Huddistone. Yeah. So yeah, and they titled it, the time is right for a podcast like this. So we just want to say thank you so much um, for all of you leaving reviews. It really helps the podcast out. We've got um, now over 50 reviews. So that's amazing. So thank you all so much. And honestly, it really helps the podcast out. So if you haven't left a review and told us why you love or hate the podcast, um, we'd love it if you could just do that for us. So thank you so much.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so good. <laughs> it feels crazy that we have over 50 reviews like I I still feel like we're this little podcast that's so unknown but you know it's it's cool that all the people that are kind of listening and actually finding value in this and that's the main thing for us yeah
1: Well yeah that's the thing with any online on any online ministry, the greatest challenge you have is that you don't get you don't get a lot of feedback. Um, reviews are one of the ways that we get really good consistent feedback um, And so it's always good if you like any sort of um, podcast, um or any sort of online ministry, make sure you leave them a comment, leave them a like, leave them a review because it really helps everybody out. Mm. Um, so yeah, you
0: guys are awesome. Thank you so much. 100%. 100%. Oh, man. All right. So, um, man, I don't even know where to start with this. I think the first thing that I was aware of was uh, Joshua Harris. Did you hear about uh, Marty Sampson before you heard about Joshua Harris?
1: Oh Yeah, I heard of Joshua Harris a while ago, but I, I know he's been on a bit of a journey with it. Marty Sampson sort of came out of nowhere, so I was a bit blindsided by it. Well, it,
0: from my perspective, it came out of nowhere. Yes, because when Marty Sampson, did he announce it on Instagram as well? Or oh, I can't remember uh, where he announced it. Um, yeah, that was sort of the big post. And then he deleted it for some reason. That's the, that's the part of it that I found so weird. Like, it was a post that got released, and then it got removed. Um, well...
1: His Instagram's interest interesting. I was about to say interesting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but he's like deleted all of his posts from more than four days ago. Oh, so it's oh, like his really? whole thing is complete. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It's like completely changed, and he's got this like note to Christianity, like my response to Christianity. Interesting. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. Pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think he's really seen. A lot of the people who've spoken out about this, and um, yeah, he's yeah. just processing that now. His Instagram has just basically become responses to it all,
0: yeah, which makes sense. And this is this is part of it which kind of weirds me out a little bit. It's almost like these guys are reinventing themselves in a way. Like, I see a similar thing happening with Joshua Harris, it's like they're taking this as an opportunity to change the narrative for themselves to almost kind of change what their public perception is because I suppose in some ways their public perception has kind of been set for them by the, in Joshua Harris's case, the being the I kiss dating goodbye guy and in Marty Sampson's case, he's like the Hillsong guy who writes songs and all that sort of stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah,
1: and I remember, I guess the thing is, I mean, maybe if we start with Joshua Harris because- Like, I'd read his book, um, Boy Meets Girl. I, I've never actually read I like, Kissed Data Goodbye. I just read the one which came after it, which is Boy Meets Girl. And, um, yeah, I read it before before Danelle and I started dating. And we found a lot of it actually kind of helpful. Some of it we were like, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. But, um, like, <laughs> I don't agree with that Or, um But, yeah, a, a lot of it we found, oh, this is actually really cool. And it really helped us. Um, but then it wasn't – I think it was a couple of years ago. And I remember he um, – he came out, like, there was this news report and I saw this interview of him saying, I wish I never wrote, like, kiss dating a Bible, boy, yeah. boy Meets Girl. I was like, what? Yeah. Um, because if you haven't read those books, um, I would still say they're pretty, I don't know, I still think they're pretty helpful, but maybe only if you can read it and choose what to keep. Maybe what to burn and what to <laughs> what to yeah. save. Which is difficult
0: um, as well in the Christian world. We don't, I mean, that's partly why we started this podcast because we find it very difficult to, differentiate what's helpful and what's unhelpful like the actual act of being able to say yeah I I found this part to be helpful but this part not so much we kind of just take it on an all or nothing basis yeah so maybe we
1: should do a podcast on the books I don't know but uh, (laughs) um, it
0: sounds a little bit too
1: personal I don't know that's the thing some of it is personal but I think Um, if you haven't read those books, they really are about purity culture is the whole thing. So, um, in his, he's talked about with his journey, with his girlfriend, they didn't even, they didn't even kiss before. Like their first kiss was their wedding day. Yeah. Um, and like, there's all these stories and I mean, some of us would kind of giggle. There's a story that he has in his book about him laying in this hammock and then his girlfriend at the time, I think they might've even been engaged, comes up and like lays next to him and he's like, oh, her legs, it was too much. And I had to stop the whole thing. I'm like, what? She's just laying there. I don't know. But, I don't know. I guess it made sense for them. But um, no. But I don't, but I, I don't, I don't I, want to I, sound like I'm teasing someone trying to stay pure. I guess that's, yeah. But uh, it just seemed really bizarre reading. Maybe it was the way it was written. But no, like, I get
0: it. I get it. I get it. Yeah. Because like if you're somebody who is all about purity and, you know, making sure that you distance yourself from anything remotely sexual, then you're going to be, like, hyper vigilant about everything. And to be honest, you're probably also going to be, like, turned on a lot more easier if you're trying to actively avoid <laughs> anything that is, is remotely sexual. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Maybe, it, like, maybe your brain's thinking
1: about it too much.
0: Yeah. Um, it's like, don't think of pink elephants. Like, that's what you're doing yeah. constantly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So... Yeah, I think, and then he, he's kind of, I saw his journey gradually turn around when first he was like, oh, I don't know if I agree with some of the things I wrote, I'd go back and change this. And then later became, I regret ever writing that. And then later seeing a thing about him, his faith was changing and then eventually his faith was no more. So you could sort of see him going on a journey. Yeah. Um, so I feel like I was a little bit more prepared for that one. And when it happened, I was like, oh, that's... Um,
0: that's kind of sad. I'm like, I'm sad to hear that because he was a part of my journey, basically. Mm. Um, and he, he was a part of many people's journeys. I mean, I think I Kiss Dating Goodbye was one of the main, if not the main, contributing factor to purity culture as a phenomenon in the evangelical and Christian world um, worldwide, like especially in the West. Um, oh, yeah, huge. Yeah, when I listen to a lot of like ex-evangelical people who uh, go on podcasts or whatever, that is one of the big things that they say is what turned them off Christianity or what, I don't know, made them question a lot of their Christianity was, was that whole purity culture, which they felt was such a high, there was such a high bar that they had to attain to and that so many people couldn't attain to because, you know, they were weak or they were blah 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 fill in the blanks in everybody's personal story and i think maybe in some ways that's what joshua harris is reflecting on i don't think he really intended for that to result out of his book maybe he took it as a compliment to begin with but i think perhaps as those teenagers kind of got older and then started saying things like yeah this kind of messed me up like this was not the greatest thing in the world for me when i was a teenager I think maybe that's what made him reflect and go. I think maybe I messed up a little bit in this area.
1: Mm. That would be so hard. eh?
0: Like you, you've written this book and it's super successful,
1: and then later it like people are blaming that book for for like problems they have. I don't know. That would yeah. Oh, that would be so hard to do. De- I can't even imagine the kind of pressure. because um, I mean, I really appreciated a lot of the stuff in that book like the, there's one analogy he uses at the beginning of the book and sets a framework for it which honestly sets it up with so much grace that I was like how could this ever be bad because he has this amazing analogy basically of there's like a there's like a um, master painter teaching this class and they turn and they have this beautiful thing that they've painted and then they turn it around and show the class and the class is like wow and he's like Now you, use your canvas to paint this. And they begin to work and then all the students look at each other and one has like a really tiny canvas, one has a huge one, one has like all these beautiful oil paints and one has just like pastels and one just has like a few shades of blue or something. you know. And it's like all all of us have a different canvas and different tools we can use but we're all striving for the same picture ah yeah and it was it's like that was what the artist what's what the master artist was trying to teach It's like just do your best with what you have to try and paint this picture and i Hmm. thought like that's that's really cool like there's a lot of grace in that that all of us you know some of us we, we only come into this idea of wanting to stay pure in a relationship we come into it later in life after we've already made a whole bunch of decisions that we you know now we wouldn't agree with yeah and that's the thing like you can't you can't just beat yourself up about like oh i feel you know like and just think you can't ever achieve it you just do with you just say okay well from now i'm going to do my best to live to what god's called me to and i thought that was amazing that analogy has stuck with me my whole life it i think the beautiful. problem
0: i think the problem with purity culture at least in the church as a whole is that i think a lot of that grace disappeared um yeah you the, know the
1: shame culture took over
0: a little bit yeah it's it's almost like you know those like old time movies of um, you know fundamentalist Christians burning witches in the, the deep south or, or whatever it's like we it's like people who were promiscuous became like the new witch like that promiscuity was the real big issue and you know we got to combat it and I think a lot of the time what we forgot is that people who were promiscuous were people you know, and it yeah. just so happened that they were making some bad decisions, but that doesn't stop the fact that there are people who also need grace and need love, and that, like the, you know, like the Jews stoning the woman caught in adultery, condemning the woman for making a mistake is probably not the best path for redemption. Um, yeah. So, I yeah, I we could probably talk about. I kissed dating goodbye, um, at length. But the main thing is not the book. I suppose. I mean, the book is a big part of it. But I mean, for me, I remember as well a few. Is this months ago or is this years ago when he first came out and started saying I regret some of the stuff in that book? Do you remember the time frame? The when he Wait, st- uh... when Joshua Harris came out and said, "Hey, I regret writing these."
1: Gosh, it'd probably be like ten years to be honest. Okay, so this maybe is maybe more. Yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: so it's it's not it's not super new. Mm. Um, I don't All know. Right. I'm just gonna look up when I kissed, dating goodbye. Um, All right. The release date. Because I think it was '90s, but I mean, this whole thing yeah, kind of blew up. Oh okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm, that might have even been fifteen years between him publishing that and then him starting to have regrets around it. So okay. that's like perfect time period for
0: teenagers at the time reading it to grow up. Yes. Yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Um Wow. So I I think, I mean, I and I've read this. I've never read the book, but I've read um, reviews of it online and I've, I've read a lot of these articles because the whole Christian news world has been blowing up with Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson the last um, two, three weeks. Um, and I think it kind of all started four weeks ago when he posted on his Instagram that his wife... um that he and his wife were splitting up that they were divorcing um, and the response to that was pretty was pretty crazy there were some people that were really genuinely upset and sad for the for the people um, for, for Joshua Harris and his wife um, and there were some people that were like um, kind of gleeful in the fact that he believes like his main thesis in I Kiss Dating Goodbye was that dating is preparation for divorce so it's like and again, I haven't read the book, so maybe somebody who has read the book can correct me, but what, I, what I've gleaned out of his message in that book is that if you're dating and then you're breaking up, okay, so you have low commitment. So, if you're going into a relationship dating and then you're doing it with the intention of marrying, you're unintentionally or subconsciously telling your potential spouse, this could end in divorce. Which I kind of get the logic, but it also is kind of confusing to me in, in some places. Um, but yeah, so this is where it kind of started. Um, on his Instagram, he posted, uh, four weeks ago now, July 18th, we're writing to share the news that we're separating and we'll continue our life together as friends. In recent years, some significant changes have taken place in both, both of us. It is with sincere love for one another and understanding of our unique story as a couple that we are moving forward with this decision. We hope to create a generous and supportive future for each other and for our three amazing children in the years ahead. Thank you for your understanding and for respecting our privacy during a difficult time. Mm. <sighs> so there you go.
1: So sad. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Any Any comments on that before we go on cuz this this is this is kind of this doesn't it's not an isolation cuz this is kind of just this preceded the next part which happened just a week after this. Yeah, no, keep keep going. Okay. Yeah. So a week uh, just over a week after on July 27th, he posted this on his Instagram. It's a picture of him looking over a lake and it's very pretty. Um and I'll just uh I won't I won't read the whole thing. But I'll just skim it. Um, but you can you can all find this on Joshua Harris's um, Instagram. It's just Harris Josh. Uh, my heart is full of gratitude. I wish you could see all the messages people sent me after the announcement of my divorce. Their expressions of love, uh, though they are saddened or even strongly disapprove of my decision. I'm learning that no group has the market cornered on grace. This week, I've received grace from Christians. Atheists, evangelicals, ex-evangelicals, straight people, LGBTQ people, and everyone in between. Of course, there have been strong words of rebuke from religious people. While not always pleasant, I know that they're seeking to love me. There have also been spiteful, hateful comments that angered and hurt me. Okay. Mm. Um, blah 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 blah, and then he goes. Uh, this is the big one. The information that was left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus the popular phrase for this is deconstruction and the biblical phrase is falling away which he's pretty bold for 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 sharing that like using that term Um, by all measures that I've for defining a Christian I am no longer a Christian many people tell me there is different ways to practice faith and I want to remain open to this but I'm not there right now Um, And then he goes on to say uh, to all the people that he's hurt through his teachings, women, LGBTQ plus community, um, and anybody else that's been negatively impacted by his teachings, he apologizes. And then he says that he's grateful to his Christian friends for their prayers. And he says at the end, don't take it personally if I don't immediately return calls. I can't join in your mourning. I don't view this moment negatively. I feel very much alive, awake, and surprisingly hopeful. I believe with my sister, Julian, that all shall be well and all manner of thing shall be well. Hmm. So, that was the bombshell that he dropped on the world. And if, it, if if you were to take this just as a soundbite, it's guy who wrote I Kiss Dating Goodbye is no longer a Christian. So it's 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 kind of ironic that this guy, and I, I don't mean to sound judgmental in saying this, who once took such a hard line and was very, very much in the Christian team. Like he was like one of the main players. Like he was a oh, stalwart yeah. of the faith. Now he is completely out of, off the team. Like he's, he's He's not there anymore, he's not playing for the right side, according to Christians, and he is yeah, he's gone, which is crazy, yeah,
1: yeah, like I mean, it sounds like he's still got some sort of spiritual practice to him, but yeah, I don't know, I guess he's just finding new ways to figure out what that looks like, and that's honestly, you just never pick it before, like you, yeah, you read the book and he just sounds so set in it, and yeah. Uh, that's why it's so like crazy to me that this, I mean, I know everybody's on a journey and yeah, but it's just so crazy to me, like how much people can change mean mm. I guess 15 years is a long time,
0: but yeah. I mean, he's had three kids, he's written yeah. different books, he's gone, he's going through a divorce. I mean, if I didn't know any better, I'd say that this is sort of like something of a midlife crisis. Um, I don't know. That's well, kind of like I yeah, know you that's kind know, of a you don't meme. Know that, yeah, yeah.
1: But yeah, it's definitely a it's definitely a big shift. And I guess like Marty Sampson, it's the same. Yeah. Um, so why don't you why exactly don't you, the
0: same? Why don't you take us through Marty Sampson then? So Marty Sampson,
1: um, for those of you who don't know, he was a really big player in <laughs> big player. He was a big player <laughs> in like the Hillsong worship scene, um, particularly in like the the like the 2000s um he mm. he wrote ah oh, just so many songs that i like just i still love them today <laughs> um like i think he wrote like every day you know like every day it's yeah. you uh, um and like i don't know he just he was a part of writing a whole like he was a part of writing oceans so a lot of people don't know that um, he was part of is- writing
0: so if he didn't write songs like solo he was a part of so many song collaborations.
1: Oh, yeah. Um insane. Um like yeah, if you if you go back and like there's any song that you like from Hillsong and then you look at who
0: wrote it, chances are Marty Sampson was probably one of them. <laughs> he wrote um, particularly from yeah. He wrote Came to My Rescue Forever, All I Need Is You. There you so go. good.
1: Yeah. All I need to do is like the first worship song I listened
0: to that I cried. Yeah man that's a that's a tear <laughs> jerk it's an anthem.
1: Oh it's amazing. Um oh, I love that song. So um Oh that's crazy. I just saw he was a part of writing another in the fire which came out this year. Wow. What? <laughs> but oh, I think wait. I think the thing yeah, with Hillsong okay, as okay, well sorry.
0: like I think it's important to note with Hillsong that there are very few if any songs that are written in a vacuum. Like, they're all collaborated. They all collaborate together to write these songs.
1: Yeah, they didn't used to as much, but nowadays they're super into collaboration, which I think is really cool. Yeah. Um, anyway. Um, so, anyway. What... So, he was a really big... And he just seemed so steadfast in his faith. And I mean, I've, I've been to Hillsong conferences and seen him worship leading and it just... Yeah, and I'm sure like when he was there, he was 100% in, you know. I'm sure he wasn't faking it or anything like that. But I guess over time, there were just these questions in him that were just dwindling away and he was struggling struggling to find answers to, I guess. Um, he, um, he put up this Instagram post
0: and it's gone like everywhere. Um, Instagram seems to be like the place to do big announcements now like that's the bombshell platform of choice
1: yeah and um he deleted that post now so but i can read you a little part of it and i think it's like sort of the key reasons he left um and it's decided to not yeah call himself a christian anymore but he says how many preachers fail Many, which we talked about. We talked about with the Mm. Bill Hybels episode. And that that was, this oh man, that's, man, this is hard. Okay. Yeah. All right. (laughs) How many preachers fail? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love yet send 4 billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. So essentially, um, He got really shaken up by, like, the failure of leaders, a lack of miracles, um, the challenges of, like, biblical hermeneutics and questions about, um, as Michael Frost puts it, theodicy and eternal punishment. In particular, he's distressed that no one talks about it, which I find kind of crazy because I think lots of people talk about it. I don't know. That's, in my opinion, I mean, we talk about it. (laughs) You know, like... Michael well, Frost talks about it. There are lots of places he could have gone to find answers for that sort of stuff. I don't know.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you this because I, I didn't want to make this judgment call, but I was wondering. You know, you being um, not the the Hillsong expert, but like you, you're a lot more. <laughs> you're, I have you, a degree in Hillsongology. <laughs> <laughs> is is this is this partly a Hillsong thing? I don't know because I I've, I. I've been to Hillsong and I've been to church and I've been to conferences, and you know you hear preachers there they do touch on some of the hard stuff, but i I don't know man i i I feel like a lot of the time with a lot and I'm not gonna just say Hillsong, let's lump it all into one category. It's like the popular evangelical scene it's it there seems to be more of a an emphasis on like the popular easy fun amp amp you up sort of stuff. I'm not sure well. Sure. That's the thing that they have a very specific mission with what they preach about, because
1: they're not—they're always preaching like what they want to be like open messages that people can't like that you could bring your friend to church and that they would love and enjoy that message. Okay. That's really their whole thing is that their church services are evangelistic in nature. Yeah. So they don't preach about. There's some stuff that. Sometimes they do. Like I've had sermons here. They've they've straight up talked about hell they've tr- straight up talked about tongues they've straight up talked about um miracles and all that sort of thing and so like i don't think but they didn't do they wouldn't do a whole sermon on that you know what i mean like okay. it'll be a part of another sermon they'll they'll like briefly touch on it um but the thing is like i know people who call hillsong home and from like i haven't reached out and spoken to them about this whole thing but I know that there are places like if somebody is struggling with these big questions, there are places they could go and people they could talk to. Mm. Like I'm positive. And Michael Frost, in he did an article about this in Eternity News. He actually says the exact same thing. He's like, I have really good friends at Hillsong who know and love Marty, um, but they also know that there are people who he could have spoken to if he wanted to. Interesting. So why didn't he? I don't know. That's that's a big thing. It's like, why didn't he go and pursue these? And everybody seems to have an opinion on this. Um, sure. Maybe maybe it's because he got like Christian famous too young and then the pressure was heaps on him, like Joshua Harris. Yeah. Uh, because Marty Sampson has been in like the Christian spotlight. Man, I remember videos of him. I'm sure he was like 18, 19. Yeah. You know, like just on these massive stages singing like he's been in this his whole adult life I think from what I've seen of him and so there's that maybe there's maybe there was just like the pressure that he felt like he couldn't doubt and be a leader so he felt trapped I don't know I think Um,
0: I think there's there's something to be said about you know being in the Christian spotlight or being like Christian famous from a very um, early age you know because I think for a lot of people who kind of get sucked in to the Christian sphere from a very early age sometimes it can be it can feel kind of like claustrophobic like you you're never going to get out sort of thing like I don't know it even in our faith tradition it's very easy to you know grow up in a Christian home go to Christian school Attend Christian colleges, work at a Christian institution and you're kind of in this bubble the whole time. And if you're in this bubble the whole time, maybe you don't have the room to be able to ask the hard questions because the people around you simply aren't able to or they don't want to. And maybe maybe you know, maybe that's 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 crap. Maybe that's just untrue for Marty, but I don't know. It it yeah, does I'm not yeah. I don't like, know. Oh, sorry, yeah. go on. No, I don't know. I, I'm just saying I don't know. You know could be that he had people that he could talk to and he just wasn't satisfied with what they had to say. Or maybe he just didn't want to ask because he thought they'd just tell him the same stuff that he heard everywhere else. And that just wasn't satisfying for him. Maybe it's just that he hasn't been exposed to a lot of, I don't know, like rational um, Christian leaders who can have much more robust conversations than, you know, just have more faith or whatever. I'm not sure, but it, does seem weird to me that a guy who surely has been exposed to like the best Christian leaders in the world, quote unquote, you know, like through conferences and church services, like surely he has had the space to be able to ask some of those hard questions. But again, I I don't want to presume on his sphere of influence, whether he can or he can't, I don't know.
1: Mm. Yeah, who, and I don't know what it's like to be, in that sort of position of Christian famous, like, <laughs> I mean, we're joking about like how oh man, we have fifty reviews. We're like, Christian famous. <laughs> look at us you know? for big time. <laughs> but when we are so like not big at all, like these <laughs> these guys have the world watching them and like yeah. thousands of ah, oh, it's just it's so far removed from our reality. It's yeah, it's crazy.
0: Um, I, I just could not yeah, be as well I don't know that what be like. Could it be as well that maybe for Marty Sampson, the answers just aren't enough? You know? Cause like, maybe. What does he talk about? Let me go back to his post. He talks about um, how many preachers fall? Many. and Nobody talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. And I, I wanted to ask you about that one in particular. Um, we've already talked a little bit about fallen pastors and even since we made the Bill Hybels episode there are many pastors that have fallen since and will continue to fall so that's great but um, the the miracles bit you were just at Hillsong conference with Bill Johnson correct and they talked about spiritual healing and stuff in 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 that part did you see miracles happen there I guess so I mean I saw people healed,
1: but I don't know. I didn't know them beforehand, so it's hard to... I mean, everybody could always dispute that, I guess. But there were people there who said they had, like, serious problems with, like, their shoulder and stuff, and then I saw them lift their arm up, and it looked fine once they had the prayer over them. So I don't know. I think so. Hmm. But, (laughs) yeah, I don't know. Like, so I guess I saw miracles, but I guess you could say maybe they were faking it or it was just an adrenaline rush if you wanted to, but I think it was a miracle. So, maybe yeah. he just became too cynical?
0: I don't know. I mean, it definitely reads like somebody who's who's become cynical. Like, why is the Bible full of contradictions? I mean, I guess you could say the Bible is full of contradictions if you're only reading selected passages, you know. I, I, I personally think that a careful reading of the Bible doesn't explain away the contradictions, but it helps to be able to see them in the right context. But mm. that's, that's like... That's not a job for us to explain. That's like, that's biblical scholarship. And that's, that's huge. Um, how can God be love yet send 4 billion people to hell? I suppose is what he's talking about. All because they don't believe. Um, Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving, but it's not for me. Ah, oh, It's so, and again, this is like, this is weird because we're trying to piece together somebody's personal life. Who has this public link to everybody else and affects everybody else? What does that mean? Does that mean that his songs no longer have the same impact? Like, are Hillsong no, going to so. pull his songs from their catalogue or not play them in church anymore? Or like what does this actually mean? Um No, I don't think so. Cause it's like he's talked about he's talked to himself about this whole
1: thing being a journey and he's continuing the journey. Yeah. Um Maybe in, like, a year he'll regret how public he was from this because maybe he will have just gone back to his faith. and f- I don't know. Who knows? Um, but that's the thing. He's just been listening really widely. And he even had this um, post. Um, he, like, took a screenshot of this couple on YouTube talking about Marty Sampson's doubts and what's going on. The video's got, like, 55 views and, like, Marty himself has seen it. I'm like, what the heck? That's crazy. <laughs> um But anyway, and he's like saying, I love these two people. I never met them. This is an example to me of kindness, of genuine concern, of nothing being threatened. I have watched many of Mike's debates and short-form videos on YouTube over the past six months, wrestling with my faith or lack of it. William Lane Craig, Ravi Zacharias, who is like an amazing apologist. apologist? Yeah. 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 And then it says in brackets, who has graciously also reached out to me personally.
0: Oh, it's really nice.
1: Yeah, that is Frank Turek and others All I have to say is thank you So grateful to you Um, I love you And like So he's like Watching what people are saying And he's keep. And then in another post He's like There's this atheist Talking about him And about his decision as well He said I've been listening to all of these as well Is it wrong to listen to the other side? I don't think so The journey continues
0: You know Uh, Like it's That's interesting So yeah I don't know Yeah It's yeah." Here's the commonality between Josh Harris, I think, and Marty Sampson, is they're saying I'm not calling myself a Christian anymore, but they're not saying I'm now an atheist. Yeah. Right. So that's like that's the that's I think the differentiating fa- differentiating factor. I think I think most people assume that if you no longer call yourself a Christian, the only alternative is, oh, well, now I'm an atheist. And I don't think that's the case anymore because I think with these two guys, with Josh Harris and with, with Marty, I, I think they're still seeking spiritual connection. They're still sp- seeking community. They're still seeking truth. But maybe for them, the word Christian just no longer has the same sort of, I'm not going to say appeal, but maybe it it doesn't have the same sort of power or maybe it's been tainted for them. So they're like, maybe, you know, I'm still seeking truth. I'm still wanting to live. I mean, I, I I don't think if you ask them, you know, do you think that living in the way that Jesus, you know, asked us to live, do you think that's a bad way to live now? I don't think either of them would say no. I just think that to say I'm a Christian with the baggage that maybe that has maybe that's maybe that's part of what it is it's like well i'm no longer a christian and i don't know what i am anymore and that's i think mm. p- probably the hard part where a lot of people are going well i don't know how to how to categorize these two anymore so we're just going to say they're heretics <laughs> or whatever wow yeah
1: yeah that's an interesting point it's sort of like they've they're f- Faith isn't the same as it once was, so now they don't feel like they're a Christian anymore. And then yeah. the world jumps on that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like it'd be hard when you're in a, a really high profile position like
0: that to wrestle. Like yeah, to have an honest wrestle with your faith. Well, you almost can't because if you do, this is what happens. You kind of get maligned by the entire whether it's your fandom or your, you know, your your peers or whatever it might be, you kind of just get jumped on if you start to wrestle but I wonder what's what's worse though is it worse to bottle this all up and then for it to come out in some bizarre and weird way or is it better to have these public wrestlings and run the risk of being called a heretic or you know for people to criticize you or to call you names or whatever do you know what I mean yeah I mean sh- and both of those options are definitely better than faking it you know <laughs>
1: Yeah, like that's that's one thing. I mean, I'm happy that they're not just faking it and they're actually being real about their journey. They're not just like, "Yep, everything's fine, everybody." Mm. Just yeah, because that would be way worse, right?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I but I think also faking is probably far more likely. It's far more common. You know, I think. Well, are, yeah. How do we know? Yeah, I well, we yeah, don't. that's right. How can you know? But I I suspect that it's a lot more common than we than we think it is, given that we live in a complex world and it's getting more complicated every every day, it seems, and our old answers to existential questions don't always hold up and the old methods of being able to relate to our faith and being able to relate to our culture with our faith, a lot of those, those paradigms are shifting and we don't quite know what to do with that. So, you know, I think a lot of our mm-hmm. Christian leaders probably have their heads in the sand with a lot of this stuff because... We just don't have room, perhaps, in the Christian world to be able to have those existential questions and to be able to leave them unanswered because we feel like we need to have an answer for everything. We need to have a solution for everything. And my contention would be, do we? You know? Oh,
1: that's interesting.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to leave something hanging. And that's what I feel like jo- why these guys are in trouble quote unquote, you know, like I'm not being serious when I say that. It's like they are questioning and they are leaving this hanging and that's why everybody is losing their minds because you're not allowed to leave it hanging. You're not allowed to not have the answer that, that sorts everything out because we've almost made Christianity into something where you have to have all the right answers. Otherwise, well, we're not going to... You can't be part of the club. You know, if you don't have all the same answers that we do, if we don't all get the same... Um, the same test score at the end of the day where we can't be friends anymore.
1: Mm. Yeah, Well. Uh, Yeah, and I think, I mean, and I get it. Like, you know, for people, if they hear their, I don't know, like their pastor or something, like I guess we're both pastors so we can relate to this sort of thing, but if your pastor gets up and is talking about all these existential issues that they're trying to deal with, think for a lot of people it would be pretty like well wait how am i supposed to believe in this if (laughs) you know what i mean if yeah if this guy's or girl's getting up there and they don't even have all these answers like i'm here because i need answers and i'm lost and Mm. even the leader of this doesn't have answers but that's the thing i don't think any of us can be well i don't know maybe like we're always going to have questions and sometimes the questions are bigger than others and that's okay that's what drives the journey that's the fuel right yeah
0: oh uh, yeah no i agree i agree and uh, it's so hard because like as you're saying all that stuff i'm i'm like trying to form a response in my head that i i actually believe but i also know that if i actually say what i actually believe i'll probably just get myself into trouble <laughs> well it's hard because how can you be in a, in a in a position of authority and then change your mind it's like you're not allowed to do that you know you're not allowed to change your mind if you're in a position of authority because people look to you and people look to you for guidance and they look to you for answers and they look to you for you know to for advice of how to actually structure their lives especially in the faith community like Mm. the pastor is like your one-stop shop for theology if you have some question you know talk to the pastor because the pastor knows and i say that kind of tongue-in-cheek but what happens as you said before what happens when your pastor or you know heaven forbid your conference president or you know the the leader of a large organization a megachurch or somebody who has incredible incredible um clout and authority what happens when they change their mind or some, about something really big and really significant? Like, it's one thing to say, well, look, this is a, a slightly different interpretation of the Bible that, you know, maybe may not much, make much difference in your everyday life. It's more academic. But when it comes to big things like, you know, inspiration of scripture or women in ministry or, you know, gender identity and homosexuality and, you know, the, the rainbow sort of the rainbow community and all that sort of stuff that really does matter... Like, what happens when people start to change their mind about that? Like, that, it doesn't seem like we know how to handle that.
1: Hmm. Well, I don't know if anybody, I don't know, most, most tribes don't really know how to handle that. Like, if Richard Dawkins turned around and was like, nope, I'm a Christian now. Like, <laughs> people would lose their minds, yeah, you know? like that's true. <laughs> I don't know. Or even if he just got up and said, ah. Oh, you know, I'm really wrestling with this. I actually feel like maybe some of the stuff I said before isn't right. You know, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like all of us struggle with that when we have people we look up to. Yeah. And maybe that's sort of where we should go next is like for those of us who really looked up to like Marty Sampson or Joshua Harris or other leaders who've, you know, um, just like, I don't know, going on another journey. Like, what do you do? what do you do? Like, how do we mm. handle this better? How do you handle it well? Um, yeah, that's a struggle. Like for me, I mean, honestly, like I can honestly say I like particularly Marty Sampson. I've really looked up to him, and I don't think I'm going to stop looking up to him because I still think he's a genuinely great guy. And um, like, I love that he's being so honest about his journey. Um, and I still respect so much of what he's done. And that he's still journeying with it he hasn't just abandoned with it he's still journeying with it i i think that's awesome um but i don't know maybe maybe as a pastor like i can learn from this and how can how can i help people get better or how can i help people find answers to the real questions they're wrestling with i don't know it's Mm. a challenge
0: yeah it is a challenge i and it's it's a challenge even more so for those of us who are in positions of authority. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad that we don't have more authority than we do now because, like, <laughs> so, you know, we're we're still forming our opinions on stuff. We're still forming our you know our feelings on 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 certain on certain issues. Um, and we can do that because you know for the most part, our our word doesn't carry with it the authority that Joshua Harris does. And I'm really glad for that. But at the same time. Um, I do wonder, are there Christian leaders, the ones that we look up to, the ones that you know have authority over us, that they feel trapped or they feel like, well, I'm just in this tradition and this is what we believe. And well, I may not believe with all of it, but I guess I have to toe the party line, as it were, um, in this whole thing. And that does make me sad. But I also think that what I can learn out of this is that it seems like we are starting to dip into a new season in Christianity in general like I remember a few years ago when Rob Bell published Love Wins and you know he left his mega church or his megachurch fired him I'm not quite sure exactly what happened and he you know fell off the grid for a while and then he reemerged and reinvented himself and everybody thought oh Rob Bell he used to be one of us and now he's a heretic and he blah 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 whatever I I he didn't cheat on his wife like he didn't embezzle money he didn't he just published a book that had slightly different theological um implications than the generally accepted viewpoint and then he started talking about stuff outside of the christian tradition that people were uncomfortable with so he didn't do anything illegal or morally bad he just said i kind of this is the direction that i'm going in and i disagree with some of the directions that the widely accepted Uh, Christian evangelical world agrees with and he got labeled as a heretic for that and he got a film made about him called The Heretic which I think is a uh, tongue-in-cheek title I haven't seen the film Um, I think he loves the film to be honest (laughs) I remember him I remember him um, promoing it on his podcast yeah oh there you go so 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 he so I think, you know, I I look to Rob Bell as one of the first in that in that long line of 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 people who aren't cheating on their wives, they're not embezzling money, they're not, you know, doing something, you know, really morally bad in their churches and then leaving in disgrace. They're just saying we're moving in a different direction to the generally accepted View of Christianity, and I don't want to. I don't want to directly compare this to the Protestant Reformation, but it, in some ways, it's sort of what Martin Luther did with his ninety-five theses. Um, and I'm <laughs> I don't not want
1: to compare this to the Protestant Reformation, <laughs> but it kind of is. <laughs> S- smooth, Jesse, real smooth.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm. And again, I'm not. I don't want to directly compare because, I mean, the whole Protestant. You are Refo- comparing, though. That's not. <laughs> anyway yeah okay keep going sorry I'll, I'll stop derailing i don't know i don't know what the right word is for it then <laughs> i don't know either because th- maybe marty samson and josh harris and rob bell maybe they're all heretics and they're all going on a, in a bad direction that that's that's a possibility and we might disagree with some of the stuff that they're talking about or whatever i i'm not i'm not planting my flag in the in the ground saying this is where I stand because I'm just watching this unfold and I think it would be it would be wise for us to also watch this unfold but I think we should keep in mind that this is what happens oftentimes when the church starts moving in a different direction people start saying one thing and they get labeled as heretics and then another person starts saying the same thing and they get labeled as a heretic And then over time, more and more people jump on that bandwagon. And then eventually, it becomes just theology. It becomes just this is how things are. And I'm not saying that this is what's happening here, but I'm saying there's a good chance that it is.
1: Mm, That's interesting. That is an interesting comparison. Well, not comparison. comparison. (laughs) I'm not comparing! No! (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the thing, though. These questions, they shape... They shape our future in a way. You know, that's yes, literally what Adventism was born out of. It was a whole bunch of questions. Um, and even it's really, it's kind of funny because the whole great disappointment. Um, after the great disappointment, the question was, why did we get this wrong? And then that drove us to become a whole new movement um, of people who just wanted to dig deeper than they had before. Um, so I don't know. I think it's kind of like we should use these questions to help us but
0: oh how it's so yeah it's so hard <laughs> yeah. yeah but i think i think particularly with marty samson like he's raising great questions he's raising questions about theodicy he's raising questions about hell he's raising questions about science and it's and its place in the you know in the, in the christian understanding and you know you just mentioned before how ravi zacharias has reached out to him and frank turek and i'm a big fan fan of uh, frank turek he wrote um, a great book on how um, in order to, I can't remember what the book's called, but his thesis is how uh, modern atheistic um, sociologists need biblical morality to to make their arguments against biblical morality, which is a really interesting idea of how we arrived at morality and, you know, the being able to ha- have a robust Christian faith. And I think maybe that's the direction that we're having to move in. And I hope it is because I think we could all benefit from having our faith shaken up once in a while. If it means that at the end of it we get a more robust, um, solid foundational, um, solid foundation for our faith, and more application, I guess. Absolutely,
1: like your your faith becomes real life because that was part of his thing, his struggle as well. It's like we don't see miracles today, um, or like how could God do this? It's sort of. Those are questions with the everyday almost. Um, And yeah, I I think if we don't ask those questions, then we get kind of stuck. And this is sort of one thing I love about... um, within Adventism, we're always encouraging people to ask questions. That's what I've found anyway in my experience with it. Like whenever you hear an Adventist preacher get up and they'll always say, so. it's kind of cheesy, but they, they genuinely mean it when they'll kind of they'll get up and say, now don't listen to what I have to say. Make sure you go home and read your Bible and test the word, you know? <laughs> but I think it's really good that yeah. that's, what, that's a culture we encourage that things should be tested and questions should be asked. And sometimes pastors get emails and it's like you said this and that was wrong and then pastors will get up the next week and say sorry i got that wrong i should have said this or they'll email back and be, oh actually no it's like this this you know like i, I hundred percent that's a really good culture that we have it's kind of yeah. underrated uh, I reckon. and yeah. can be a bit cheesy sometimes it's but true. it's really good it's a really good part of our culture yeah and i think something we should keep up and keep allowing questions to be asked because that's again that's the fuel that drives the journey
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, actually, no, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about that before. In some ways, we don't have that same unhealthy dynamic that a lot of evangelical churches have where the pastor is revered above all else in some churches especially some traditional Adventist churches the pastor is kind of like the opposite of revered like the bottom of the food chain. yeah a little bit <laughs> <Some> <laughs> maybe friends. that's a good thing I don't know
1: yeah maybe I don't know yeah <laughs> um like I mean I kind of like because in a lot of our churches even it's more like the elders are the are the ones sort of at the mm. top and the pastor like works almost for the elders or works with the elders i don't know it's yeah and i kind of like that i think it's kind of cool because it means the ownership isn't just on one person
0: yes yes 100 percent. anyway i think we might maybe getting a bit more (laughs) sidetracked no it's a good point though it's a good point I, i i like that point but anyway i think yeah that this isn't this is at least for me an ongoing unfolding conversation i don't i definitely haven't made my mind up about all this especially josh harris because he has shared so little about what he actually where he's actually moving to and that may just be simply because he doesn't know or he wants to keep it private until he i I don't know A cynical part of me feels like he's just going to publish a new book in a few years time about his journey and then he's going to make a whole bunch of money off that and then people are going to go woo he's you know he's back but he's also like now the liberal the liberal guy i don't know
1: who knows? Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe to be cool, so Marty Sampson on his Instagram has like this letter, it's like Dear Christianity. Mm. So maybe I'll read that and that's right. where we can sit. Sounds Dear good. Christianity. Uh, okay, so I'll just say this is posted on Marty's Instagram uh twenty three hours ago. So what's that? The twenty uh oh, nineteenth of August. Um Dear Christianity, my message to you is one of love. Love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. By this, um, by this will all men know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for each other. No judgment, no condemnation. We are all humans, all cut from the same cloth. I know Christians don't all agree on many different doctrines, but we can all love. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love never fails. I'm reminded in the last week of the goodness of Christians, the kindness that has been shown to me, has been overwhelming I see it I hear it and I feel it regardless of how you see me as an apostate or as a brother I never wanted to make anyone doubt their own faith nor convince them to take take another path than the one that they are on we each have our story we are all living together on this beautiful planet when we leave when we leave it our children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will still be here may we teach them above all else to love each other and to be kind to each other as they they figure this thing out called life. I don't hold any ill toward anyone. I don't harbor any sadness, bitterness or sorrow in my heart toward you in any way. I am only me, one person standing on earth. I think and I feel and I can choose my response no matter what. Any response is my choice. If I have one choice of how to react to you, Christianity, I choose this, to love you. I love you, Christians, no matter what. All of you, I forgive any of you that have hurt me. I'm free. I'm alive. I love you. So I think Marty, I think he's still on a good journey. It's not a journey of hatred, um, it's a journey of love. And um, I think that is really inspired by Christ and that his Holy Spirit. And I think we need to be the same, even when people ask questions and people go in different directions. Mm. We actually need to just love them and continue what Christ has called us to. That's how people know that we're his disciples. Uh, by the way, we, we love one another. No matter what sort of questions they're asking or doubt they're harbouring, um, we can still we can still love people. We can still hold them in our community and bear the questions with them. And I think that will help um, in the future with all these sort of wrestles that people have, and help people get through them in positive ways, mm. um, rather than leaving with all this anger and hatred towards people who, when they ask questions, they were shunned.
0: Um, yeah. Because I think at the end of the day, whether you are a prominent Christian leader or just, you know, an average Christian out there, regardless of your questions and your doubts and all that sort of stuff, you're still a brother, you're still a sister. And, you know, it would behoove us as Christians to not abandon those who are having doubts just because they're having those doubts. I I think the Jesus way is to embrace them and to bear with them In kindness and long suffering, even if we disagree with them. Hmm. Absolutely. So, anyway, those are our thoughts
1: um, on the whole Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson, both, um, I don't know, both really struggling with their faith and being vocal about it and going on maybe different journeys and what we're on um so yeah we'd love to hear your thoughts about it and yeah really about this episode we really want to hear what the community is feeling with this um i know a lot of people in our community really looked up to marty sampson in particular so um yeah really keen to hear all of your thoughts so if you want you can go over to the base burn <laughs> burn the haystack community um i was about to say base the burn stack um, <laughs> based it yeah, um, the Burn the Haystack community Facebook page. Uh, the password is Poppy Gloria. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I, think, I think it's multi choice. So pick the right one. I don't know. I, I can't remember. Anyway, but Poppy Gloria. And join in the discussion. There's really cool things happening in there. People sharing memes. People sharing their heart as well and opinions on episodes. So we love it. Or you can send us an email at burnthehaystack. Burn, burn podcast at gmail.com. That's know. right. Just go to the website. Yep. Go to the website. Everything's there burnthehaystack.org link you to every everywhere you need to go to get in contact with us
0: and we'd love to hear from you cuz you're amazing and we love you. Oh. All right, that's us that's it for us. Now yeah, you guys we'll see you again next week. Yes, that is Josh and
1: Jesse out.